And welcome back to the most bizarre show on the internet. I am the one, the only, Shane Squatch. And I'm Oren. And you didn't use the name again. I'm going to yell at you on every episode about this, I'm, man. I'm only going to use it at the end. Only gonna, oh, so you're going to be reversed with me. That's how we're going to play yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> I do the basic in the at the end. You do the basic in the beginning. And all right, whatever. That, I guess that'll work. It kind of has its own kind of like rhyming cadence to it. Toes, man. <laughs> You just got to start throwing them in. What what happened to the wrestling names? Do any of the listeners remember I when you used to come in with them. the wrestling names? I ran out of them. If anybody has suggestions of wrestling nicknames from after Stone Cold Steve Austin era, send them to me. But <laughs> You just got to create a list of nicknames. You still got to use the one that I was saying. You still got to use, uh, what, crap, what was that one? It was uh, Orin the Martian. There it is. Hey, maybe I'll use that one for a uh, special Halloween palooza or something like that. That'll work, man. That'll definitely work. <laughs> so uh, hopping into the news and updates for anybody that hasn't been listening to every single episode that we've been talking about. We got some crazy exciting stuff going on. And for all of the regular listeners, they are already fully aware. But if we have new listeners that are popping in on this episode that have no idea what the hell is happening with us coming up here soon, Oren, why don't you kind of give them a quick rundown? All right, guys, so we are going to be doing our very first speaking engagement. We are going to be speaking at Cryptid Halloween 2. It's going to be in Charlestown, uh, West Virginia on October the 28th. We're super excited to have the opportunity to do this. Uh, we're going to have three different presentations throughout the day. We're going to do one that's kind of a uh, cryptid that's local to the area. It's going to be kind of formatted like the normal deep dives we do here on the show. Uh, we're going to have then an interview type segment and then a campfire share your own encounters type deal. So again, super excited and a big thanks to Dave uh, for giving us this opportunity. And it will be a free event for anybody that wants to come out. So you guys just have to worry about coming out there. You ain't got to pay for a ticket or anything once you get there. Uh, but if anybody isn't able to make it out there, I'm going to try to set it up where we live feed everything. So you guys will be able to watch it hopefully live if I can get that all working properly. And if you guys aren't able to do that, no matter what, we'll be recording it. So we'll probably more than likely be 
uploading it onto YouTube at some point so that you guys can come and find it. And as far as the encounters go for our third portion of the show, um, I threw this out on the last episode um, because before I was just saying anybody that's there, I'm going to leave a notepad on our vending table. And if anybody wants to share their encounter, but they don't necessarily want to be up in front of everybody talking about it, or maybe they don't even want to have their name or face or anything involved, that's one option. If there's any of you audio listeners out there that uh, would like to have your encounter included in it and you guys aren't able to make it there, you guys can always email me or shoot me a message on Instagram or something. Let's uh, share your encounter story and uh, I'll be more than happy to read it off when we're doing the presentation and everything. And, uh, you know, like I said, even if you guys can't make it out, you guys can watch on the live and you guys can hear us report your encounter. So it should be a lot of fun. And I want to make sure that even the people that are on the opposite side of the country or even the other side of the world can also be included in this event because we want to bring everybody together and form more of a community as far as what everything that we're going goes. And we want to make sure that uh, all you guys are just as included as if you guys were right here next to us. So, And kind of piggybacking off of that, uh, for the folks that are going to be able to come out, uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier uh, before we started recording. There's actually a brewery like right across the street from the venue where the event's going to be held. So we're going to try to do like a little after party hangout type thing. So if uh, y'all want to come and get a beer and hang out with our dumbasses, we'll be there. So, And uh, hopefully, maybe we'll luck out. Maybe one of you guys at least will might want to buy us a beer or something like that. We're, we're totally down for that. I will totally accept the beer we that you guys want to buy bribed. for us. We accept checks. <laughs> Or we also accept donations to make it so we can go to more events. What are the donations for, Shane? They go towards us being able to vend more events, get out, and gets all thrown back into the show so that we can keep expanding the show and expanding all the different stuff that we're doing over here. So you guys are helping out podcasters to grow and eventually hopefully be able to do this all full time and make it so that we can produce even more amazing content for you guys. And as always, if you guys want to contribute to the show in any way reach out to us. There's a whole lot of ways you can do that. Social media, Instagram is where we're most active. You can reach out to us through the email, bizarreencounters at outlook.com or through the submission form on the link tree. Any suggestions for guests, topics, anybody that wants to work with us, collab, anything like that. And also, uh, always remember to submit your own Bizarre Encounters for Shane's book he's working on. And some of those encounters, again, might even be included into our live form. So that should be a lot of fun for all you guys. And uh, if you guys aren't already following us across all of social media, don't forget to do that. You know, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on TikTok, we're on Discord, we're on YouTube, we're on uh, Telegram. We're, we're a little bit everywhere. So at least make sure you follow us in a couple of those places. But like I was saying, as far as like lives and presentations and everything go, uh, at least follow on YouTube because I think that's going to be live casted onto YouTube probably more than anything. So if that's something you're interested in, make sure you give that one a, a like and subscribe over there. And uh, if you guys want to support the show, like I was already kind of talking about a little bit, you guys can donate to the show. But beyond all of that, of course, you guys can uh, join the Patreon if you want to get stuff such as early access to the show, lives of the show, uh, live replays of the show, which is the video format as long as everything turns out okay with the recordings and all that kind of fun stuff goes. Uh, or you guys, of course, can donate to the show directly on Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And like I was saying, it all goes back towards the show. You guys are helping us out to make it so that we can eventually hopefully do this full time for you guys. And the steps for doing that, of course, is being able to go out to more conventions, be able to meet more of you guys, be able to speak and present it more stuff. And the only way we're ever going to be able to do that is with your guys' help to make it so that we are able to get out to all these awesome events and meet all of these awesome people. And of course, all of you awesome people out there that listen to the show. And if y'all are looking for something else to support, 
hit up Joe at Crypto Theology. He's killing it with his cryptid and alien and high strangeness designs. And if you're listening to this show, you'll probably dig everything he's doing. So definitely check that out. And speaking of that, actually, uh, he will be at this next event that we're doing. So if you guys are really into our show, you guys are coming out to see us, you guys like Crypto Theology, you guys can meet us and you can meet Joe. And I'm assuming yeah, we could probably even get Joe to-, get to meet Joe. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know he was coming realistically until I saw you guys commenting back and forth on Facebook. So just an added extra little bonus. You guys get to meet Joe and scoop some T-shirts from him if you guys are able to make it out to all this. It's called networking. Ooh, yeah. Networking is a is a hell of a thing. And it's absolutely wonderful as far as this community goes. And uh, every single thing that we have mentioned is all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And I forgot to mention it, so I got to throw it in here, even though it's a little bit out of format, but it is what it is. Uh, Joe did make a new design for the Snarly Yao, and that will, I'm assuming he'll probably have it available at this event. So if you guys want to scoop that, not only can you guys come and support Joe, but you'll get to get some of his new designs that he's working on. And he has a couple awesome ones that he's working on. So you guys definitely want to keep your eyes and ears out for that one. All right, y'all. So tonight's guest is Tim Moon. He is a cryptozoo novelist with a passion for fiction, monsters, and scary stories. His most recent book, Tomato Fields, is now available. So, Tim, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's nice being here. So, I really enjoyed the last time, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad to have you over on this side. Last time we were over on Inquiries, so if there's any listeners out there that are hearing this for the first time and want to go check out our previous episode, it's over on the other side. But it's cool to finally, like, it's always fun to have somebody on that show and get to know him one-on-one, and then I'm always excited to have him meet Oren because he's, like, the best co-host I could possibly ask for. So I'm glad this all came together. I know we had some uh, scheduling issues at first, uh, but, yeah, we made it come together, and I'm glad we're sitting here and doing it now. Well, good. Me too. (laughs) So uh, to start off, I guess, um, he kind of gave you a little bit of an intro, but uh, beyond that, of course, if you'd like to get into your book, let everybody know uh, what exactly uh, they're getting into as far as your book, what inspired you to do your book, um, kind of let them know a little bit about okay. yourself and how you got to the point of writing. Okay. I uh, First of all, I wanted to say something about the crypto zoo novelist. That's kind of a play on words. <laughs> And I just, I heard some guy do a different one on a different, for a different type of um, uh, medium. And I thought, well, so I started playing with it and then I came up with that and I thought it was kind of catchy. So I put it in there, but I don't know if everybody gets it. (laughs) So I think we totally got it. (laughs) Okay. That's good. I liked it. I don't always know what works, but it's clever. But but I, um, I've been a Bigfoot. I've been interested in this subject for a long time, and since I saw the show, uh, the the Legend of Bogey Creek, oh. in, uh, when I was in the seventies, it was in the seventies. I don't remember the exact year, but I know I was just a kid, and I saw it, and I just thought that is so cool, and I just believe that they existed. You know, I just, it just it it just seemed real to me, and. It was also scary. So I have always felt that, that they existed, but... Um, 1972. Until, yeah, that's it. That's it. 72. I saw it in the movie theater. I remember seeing it in the theater. Anyway, I, I uh, about 20 years ago, I'm a history teacher and a historian by trade, I suppose, and I started really studying the, the, the documentation on it and reading... 
and listening to stories. And I've just listened to thousands of stories and read thousands of stories. And I, I never really get tired of it. <laughs> I don't have as much time to read them all the time as I used to. But I, um, I just saw all of this evidence and I thought, you cannot ignore this evidence. You, we might not know exactly what it is, but you can't have people from different cultures and different countries and different continents and different languages and different religions all over the world see basically the same thing <laughs> and then and, and think that it's some kind of worldwide conspiracy. Are you kidding me? You can't get people to agree on anything, to, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're not going to do that. But So there's so much smoke out there. There has to be fire. And to ignore that, I think you have to be dishonest. Uh, what it is, I don't know, because it just defies, you know, knowledge what it, what it is. And so I started thinking about 15 years ago or so that maybe the nonfiction isn't the way to do it. It's not <laughs> the way to attract people and get people's attention because you can use all the facts and details you want and it just does, people just, it just doesn't seem to get through. And so I started thinking, well, what if you could tell stories and um, get get people's attention through characters that were cool and that did, you know, were put into situations that were very um, crazy and put them into positions they didn't want to be in and didn't understand. And maybe you could win people to the legitimacy of this through emotions and, and good stories. So. I started thinking maybe someone could do that. And then uh, about 10 years ago, my brother told me a story of one. He saw one and I didn't even know. He never told me that. He, 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 he shared the story with me and I said, I can't believe this. I mean, I've known you all your life and you never told me this story. And it just kind of was the thing that kicked me over the edge. And I said, I'm just going to go do this. So I just took his, his inspiration and wrote the story uh, around an area where he already lived. In fact, his address is in, in the book. <laughs> and, and then I just went from there and, and said, well, I'm going to try it. I'm going to use this to make me do it. And so I, I, I did it. And then it took me about 10 years to write a book. I'd never written a, a novel or a, or a fiction, a fiction novel. And there's a lot to learn. And it's it's taken a long time <laughs> to learn all that, and I'm still learning a lot from from the process part point of view and editing and things like that. So I, uh, but it, but I learned a lot. It's like it's like getting well. It's probably a lot like you guys do with podcasts. You have to learn a lot of new stuff to pull this off and to know how to record and edit and do all that. Well, writing is like that's almost like going to college again. <laughs> it was it was tough. But I got it done, and it's got some good reviews and made a little bit of money. But um, I also see some things I could have done better, <clears throat> and I fixed some things, and I just finished editing it again. So it's um, it is, but it's but it's overall it's been pretty good for a first novel, and I'm looking forward to the second one, which I'm working on now. So. Well, congratulations. I mean, I know how hard it is to write a novel. I tried to write a novel a few years ago and, uh, you know, kind of finished a couple drafts. And then, like you said, it, it's never good enough. It's never what you expect it to be. So, uh, I mean, hats off to you. Anybody that can 
go through that process and come out on the other side, I've got a ton of respect for. So congratulations and, you know, anything good that's coming from this that you've got, you more than deserve as far as I'm concerned. Well, thanks. And, and I think it's a fun story. I've got some great reviews from people who feel like it really is the kind of book that um, for this one guy said it's a novel of the 21st century because it grabs people's attention right away and it doesn't let go until it's over and it ends it ends quickly. It's not 300 pages that <laughs> takes 10 years to get into. And, um, and I think that's, you got to be careful with people's time today. They're busy. Everyone's busy, and you got to use their time right. So I tried to do it like that. I tried to write it like that. Well, just a kind of a technical question, if you don't mind me asking. Uh, like sure. I said, just uh, kind of going through the uh, process as far as trying to submit the novel I was working on to um, agents and whatnot. You know, I know what a pain that process can be. Did you come up with you know any flack from? you know, agents or anything like that because of the subject matter and it being, you know, yeah, fringe no. topics or anything like that? I, I learned early on that the agents and the pub, the traditional corporate publishers weren't going to be interested in me. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had one actually outright tell me there, it costs too much to produce books and they're not going to take chances on you unless you're an established writer or you're, rich and famous <laughs> and otherwise they won't you're just you can just whistle dixie and, and agents are going to do the same thing so i just said i'm just going to have to go on my own and and i just did it with amazon mm -hmm. and uh uh that has worked pretty good i i'm trying to expand that a little and move into some other areas but i'm Part-time. I mean, I work full-time. I have a job, too. <laughs> and, well, if you're a writer, on top of it, you have two full-time jobs at that point. Just, Same with being a podcaster. Just, <laughs> so much to do, to do it right, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and then they tell you the best way to sell a book is to write another book. Well, that's great, okay? <laughs> but marketing is almost as hard as writing a book mm -hmm. and, and figuring all the, those details out. And I'm not the the best person in the world with technology and, and either electronic or digital or normal technology. So I have to learn a lot and it just takes time, but I really want to do it. And I like to write and I think it's a good goal. And I, I think, I think I might be at a place where eventually it's going to take off. So uh, I just don't want to give up too soon. You know, you quit oh, too absolutely. soon and you never know what could have happened. Yeah, just uh, one then, more rewrite, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and, and yeah, and uh, I think the next book will go a lot faster mm -hmm. once I start writing. I know a lot more what not to do, and a lot more what to do. So I think I could legitimately have that out by sometime next spring or early summer. Is that going to be a the next book? Oh, I'm sorry, Shane. Oh no, I was just going to say, is that going to be a continuation of the that first was book? That's going to be my question too. <laughs> it's it's going to be a sequel to a degree, but it's going to be down in Texas. That one's up in Mason County, Washington. This one will be down in Texas in the big thicket area. In fact, I'm going to go over there in a couple of weeks and do a little bit of camping with some guys that are pretty serious about the area and the the things in the area. It's a pretty strange place. Good old squatchers. 
Yeah, and um, so, but it's it's really cool because it has a lot of lights. You know, you know the lights you've heard about the orbs and stuff, mm -hmm. and it has a lot of really wild stuff going on down there. And um, so, I want to try to bring some of that in as well, and and see where we can where we can take it. So that's really in development, though. So, and I'm researching it right now. See, I got a lot of questions as far as your book and everything goes, and I definitely want to circle back around to that Sasquatch encounter, but we regularly talk about these orbs and lights in the woods on this yeah, show and create different theories on it. Like, where, where do you kind of sit with it? What, what's kind of like your theories and ideas as far as the lights and orbs go? Well, I think that that we are we live in an energetic universe. <laughs> it's energy. And uh, the physical part of it, the, the three-dimensional reality part of it, is a denser form of energy. But it's energy nonetheless. And the other dimensions, we probably are living in the other dimensions without knowing we're living in the other dimensions. Uh, just because uh, God is everywhere and we are in God and it's just, it's just it's, it's an energy that we can't get away from. And, and I think those orbs and lights and weird stuff people see it's only weird because they don't understand it it's only weird because we don't understand it but those there's some connection between those lights and these animals <laughs> somehow and um i just wonder if they're not that some people can see the lights but some people can't because of different sensitivities they have and also, if those lights are not somehow an energetic reflection of these animals that we see, that our brain takes and translates into the animal when we see the animal from the light. Because our brains are, are designed to translate reality for us to survive in. If, if we saw everything that existed, we might not be able to survive. The brain has taken taken reality and put it into a package that it can help us survive and that's that's part of the brain's pro, uh, job and over millions of years of evolution and development of the species it has uh, dumbed down for better for lack of a better term dumbed down reality so it can be sustainable for us for for this species but there's a whole lot more out 99. 5% of reality we can't see with our eyes. But I think this light might be these orbs and other things are just a reflection of realities that are out there that we just maybe don't understand yet. And there's some connection to us and to these creatures. And I don't know what these creatures are completely either. So just just because, you, you know, the paranormal just means... We don't understand it. It's beyond our understanding. It doesn't mean, I don't like the woo term, because <laughs> it, it, it diminishes it and belittles it. It's not woo. It's just something we, don't, we haven't figured out yet. But there's a lot of, to do with quantum physics and energy and that I think go a long way of explaining what this could be. And um, so that's how I kind of, come down on it. 
I mean, as far as the orbs go, too, they're one of those weird things that kind of fits into all camps. Like, you see people talk about them with the paranormal. You see people talk about them with UFOs. You see people talk about them with Sasquatch. So I often kind of sit in the camp of wondering if it's some type of, like, people talk about, like, the veil thinning, maybe. That's why we see some of these different types of beings and different types of creatures. And I wonder if it's possibly, like, a like a residual effect caused by that or maybe if it's a whole different phenomenon all on its own and it's just something that seems to be around these other things maybe because it shares an interest in it and like one thing that i've been kind of exploring lately is the whole idea about you don't hear about i mean people call them fairy lights of course but you don't hear a lot about like fairy lore for example in like the americas too often and uh you know of course any type of being if there's any type of like weird phenomenon going on like you see a ufo flying over it doesn't matter what type of being you are you know you're gonna sit up and you're gonna look at it so i'm kind of curious if the reason why it seems to be connected with all these different things isn't necessarily because it has anything to do with it but rather that it's something that exists in the area and when weird phenomenon happens it's just as curious as we are for example that could be i mean i never thought of that but maybe that's true that that that's reasonable i think i mean have you guys have you guys seen any of those videos that have been out lately about that airplane that disappeared uh, i don't think i've seen it yeah i don't think i have either I've been all over that new Sasquatch thing that happened in Colorado. I've been I've been trying to dissect that in my own head. <laughs> yeah, I watched that a little bit. Um, but this this thing is really strange because these orbs of light surround that. Remember the Malaysian airplane that disappeared eight ten years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just disappeared off the planet. No, there's people now saying that this thing went into another dimension. It was transferred into another dimension, and they show video of lights orbs surrounding the plane and then the plane disappearing it's just amazing wow. <laughs> and i don't i i don't know if it's true but this guy is pretty dead set on it and he's providing a lot of evidence if you look it up you'll see it you'll find stuff on it right away it's on twitter too say so at least I definitely have to check that out but but that just made me think that that these orbs might be what you know it surrounds an object and then that object it it uh, it creates a portal for that object to go into another dimension. Uh, I, you know that could be. I I honestly don't know. I wish I knew more about it. But and I think there's probably elements in our government that hide uh, hiding hiding all that stuff, and mm-hmm. which is just unfortunate, as far as I'm concerned. So, but however, the best we can do is just keep exploring and trying to figure things out without discounting things immediately. And and I think that's what keeps us creative and looking toward answers. So that's what I try to do. I mean, as far as that goes, too, that can be kind of perceived two ways, because either one, you could look at it as maybe it is something from the Fae, and obviously the Fae takes things into the Fae once it lures it that way. So, I mean, theoretically, if the Fae surrounded an airplane, they might be able to bring it into their realm and I mean, the other aspect of it, too, is that you could be looking at these orbs and lights like again, like they're a residual thing that gets caused from portals. And I've been kind of digging into this theory for a while, and it seems to connect with a lot of different areas as far as it yeah. seems like where, whenever there's like weird portal areas where things disappear, like the Bermuda Triangle, for example, middle of Kentucky, uh, the Lake Michigan uh, Triangle, it seems to be that it's areas where there was some type of volcanic activity at some point in time, and it creates this uh 
magnetic rock from the volcano itself and then it seems like there's also some type of like energy deposit area like you'll see quartz for example that can almost seem like it's like an like a battery where it like preserves energy for a while and then my kind of theory on it is that when you have some type of vibrational humming which could be caused by an airplane or a boat or even just somebody that's like humming except for example when they're walking or seismic activity causing some type of like frequency and vibration i'm curious if the combination of the three with like mag magnetism uh some type of like stone battery and then some type of vibrational humming being projected at it maybe even speed for example if that could theoretically be a way to open up a portal because it seems to be a connecting factor in a lot of different areas that i've looked into i've even found the same anomaly kind of happening as far as uh, alaska goes the alaskan triangle that there was a volcanic activity there's some type of stone that's known to hold energy and then people disappear when they're in things that cause some type of vibration or hum or when there's seismic activity you'll have like missing 411 cases for example well, the this area that I, have you looked into ley lines? And, yeah, we talk about that quite a bit on the show, actually. I'm very starting to get very interested in that. And there's, I found a little map, and it shows the ley lines in the United States and and the Western Hemisphere. And these have little vortexes where the lines will cross, and some of them will cross four or five different lines, and then there'll be like a vortex there, and the the place i'm telling you about big thicket there's a four line cross that's where there's a vortex right there in the same place and there's a lot of weird stuff happening there and a lot of people will disappear from there and um uh a lot of bigfoot sightings they call them different names than bigfoot um but a lot of sightings a lot of lights a lot of weird stuff and I just wonder if it's not related to what you're saying about lines underground, that that their energy is underground, that we're, we're missing the boat by not looking into that. Yeah, you're looking up instead of looking down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I've even so had a... something to that. I've had uh, Carter Bouchard on the show, too. He was on this show, and he was on Inquiries, but recently he was on Inquiries, and he was kind of sharing this idea about everybody has like energy to them, obviously, beyond like the soul and everything. So he was kind of sharing this idea that he kind of believes as far as like Sasquatch stuff goes, that um, if you're able to like condense your consciousness or energy into one spot, it theoretically would be easier to travel in between dimensions because then you don't have as much bulk with you as you're trying to travel. So you condense yourself into an orb itself. And maybe it's something that these inner these uh, interdimensional yeah. beings possibly have the ability to do, or maybe it's something unintentional where as you're going through into another dimension, you get condensed into the, these types of orbs. Yeah, it could be. Um, the, the, um, the quantum, what's the, what's it called where the, they, the, the, the quantum particles travel faster than light. It's oh. entangled. Okay. Entangled. Yeah. yeah. They're entangled, and they can be billions of miles apart, and one changes to negative, the other one changes to positive instantly, which means they violate the speed of light, that there's nothing supposed to be able to travel faster than the speed of light, but they do, and but they do it as light. <laughs> they don't do it as dense physical objects like we are, and so maybe that's part of travel is they eventually learn how to condense themselves into light and then move like that. You Go gotta move pretty fast to elapse the distances in this universe. The p distances between galaxies and planets is just enormous. 
I mean, theoretically, that'd only be that'd be the only way you'd be able to travel long distances or interdimensionally. I feel is without some type of bulk mass involved. Because I mean, you dig into stuff like the Philadelphia experiment, and they're trying to travel interdimensionally with like a bulk object. And what ended up happening was everything got fused into each other because those particles aren't vibrating at the same frequency as they would in this reality. So once that happens, you have things that'll start to converge into each other. It's kind of like that theory about. Uh, like physics in our dimension that if you push into a wall for a certain amount of time, I don't know, remember exactly what it was, but they said eventually there might be a possibility that your particles might start pushing into those particles too. So like the only safe way to be able to travel long distances or interdimensionally would be without some type of bulk mass. Otherwise you run the risk of meshing in with that bulk mass. Also bulk. If you follow um, the theory of relativity, the reason you can't travel the speed of light is because for bulk dense objects like ourselves, uh, not only do would we travel that fast, but we would expand to the size of infinity if, if we did it. I don't understand that. I just that's what I've heard scientists tell me. Well, that would explain why you couldn't travel fast because you would become everything. <laughs> so, so um, at some point, it has to be a lighter, denser. I mean, a, a subtler form of energy to do that so so uh kind of circling back around um i definitely want to make sure we touch this before we get too far away from it of course um the encounter that you're talking about as far as like what inspired your book i'd love to hear about the like encounter itself well my brother is happened in the 90s um and he bought some property out in mason county washington just up above the hood canal hook and he was going to subdivide it and build houses there, which he's subsequently done. And he would work in Seattle during the week. He's a builder. And then he'd come out on the weekends and do the work on his lots and try to get them ready to build. And <clears throat> on, I think he said it was a Friday when he got there, he went, went out, he was working on the trailers on his truck one um uh, dusk when it was about dusk and it was summer it was august he said it was hot and he uh smelled something funny and started looking around thought maybe something was dead there was a dead animal somewhere or, or a skunk or something and he couldn't see anything and he looked up to his left up the dirt road and st standing there right there by the by a light pole uh, surrounded by forest uh, was this Bigfoot and he he'd never seen anything like it and it and it really freaked freaked him out and he the the pole is still there and there's a link on on part of it that connects it to the light pole and that link is 10 feet in the air and we've measured I've gone up and stood there and he's taken pictures of me and that thing came almost up to that light pole, the head, tip, tip of his head. So it was nine and a half, ten feet tall, probably. And it was four and a half to five feet wide. That's what scared him the most, was how wide it was. And when they made eye contact, he said that that's when it started screaming at him. Hmm. And it just, you've heard, have you heard the screams that they do, The how... They start really low and they get really high and they go on forever. And like the scream. samurai chatter? No, 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 no. This is the scream. The, the whoops and like the Ohio howl? 
it's a it's a howl more than it's a whoop. <laughs> I mean, it it just and it goes right through you. It just vibrates right through you. Um, and that's just and I've felt that when I listen to them, recordings of them. I've heard there's some good ones if you look online, um, but I can't imagine actually being there and and having it happen to you. But he said it just completely freaked him out. He almost peed his pants, and he he ran for the house he he was close to the house he ran inside and grabbed his shotgun and looked back out the window and said that he expected to see it coming for him um and he didn't he didn't really know what he was going to do because a 20 gauge shotgun's not going to stop something like that um uh it might make him mad or hurt him but if he wants to break down your door you're done and so but it just stopped screaming, turned around, and walked back into the woods. And and he hasn't seen, never never saw it again. He did hear it once, um, crack, break, and bush, and and smelled it. But he never saw it. And uh, but he said that he never wants to see it again. Once was enough, and. He said he never he'll never go camping again. <laughs> he's d- he's done with that. Nowhere where he stays the night anywhere. <laughs> and he does go out still to target practice and stuff, but he's very well armed when he goes out and it's totally daylight. So it had a big impact on him and he wasn't like that before. So so anyway, that's what he saw and I just thought I can't believe he's telling me this. I you know when I first heard I thought I got to do this. I, this has got to be a sign for me. And that's when I started working on it, on the book. So it's kind of funny how when people have these encounters, it's either, it's always polar opposites. It's either people have to see it again to try to get some type of like confirmation that it was actually something they saw or two, they want nothing to do with it. And they're going to do anything that they can to, to stay away from this thing. But no matter what, it seems like whenever people see these things, it completely like breaks their paradigm as far as like what reality is. And they either want to completely avoid it or they want to run towards it. <laughs> well, I've been doing a lot of research and I'm a little stuck in between because I, um, I do believe that they're animals and they're wild and they're dangerous. They can be very, any kind of wild animal could be dangerous. And, but I'm starting to hear from these, these different people that are saying things about um, them not being dangerous and that the only reason we're afraid of them is because there's something we don't understand. And then when we treat that, when we approach them from a standpoint of fear and we have guns and we have cameras and we have all these things to try to measure that, that just pushes them away. And, uh, focuses in the fear realm and it 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 um ruins your opportunity to actually make connections with them because they're not going to let you take pictures of them and if you got guns they know you've got guns they're not going to be around and i just thought yeah and 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 that might be and i've thought a lot about meditation and maybe just kind of relaxing and connecting trying to connect on a a meditative way in a toward toward them i don't discount any of that i'm thinking maybe there's something to this but at the same time i also realize that they could kill you <laughs> these things are capable of killing you and 
it almost seems naive to pretend that's not true. And so I'm stuck a little bit in between these two sides. I, I would never want to kill one. When I first started really getting into the study, I thought, well, if you killed one, but at least you would just find it and, it, and you would you know, be able to prove that it existed, it might be worth that. And I would, today, I would never want to do that. I just think that's just a terrible thing to do. Just, we should really just leave them alone and live and let live. But however, um, I still would want to defend myself if, if, if some, it would be hard to, to see something that imposing and just calmly meditate, you know, <laughs> or, or, or have them say, if you, like, say a message, because they do have some telepathic abilities to, to tell you, come out here, I'll be waiting for you, and to trust it, right? I mean, you're putting a lot of stock in, in this animal being trustworthy, if, if you believe all that. And for me, that seems like a stretch. I don't know if I could do it. I, I think I would be scared. And I, I think I would want to have a gun with me. But I also know there might be something to that. It might be something to just relaxing and, and trusting and trying to build um, relationships that are based on trust and not fear. I'm just stuck in the middle. I honestly don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to try anything if I'm just not sure I'm brave enough, if that makes, if that makes sense. Well, you know, we talk on the show a lot about this idea that maybe the answers are never, you know, concretely going to be found. And, you know, I th personally, I think it's okay that we don't have the answers to a lot of this stuff. And, yeah, you know, personally, I think we're probably not going to find the answers to a lot of it. And I think that's okay because, you know, we talk about this idea a lot that in some ways the journey is almost as important as any answer that you could theoretically find. And, you know, if you, you know, do find the answers to something like this, it's lost some of its magic at that point, you know? So I think uh, all that was a long winded way of saying, I think it's okay to be in the middle. I think it's okay to not have answers. I think it's just okay to, Enjoy the journey, I guess. Well, I hope so, because that's, that's all I can do. <laughs> but I think it's amazingly interesting. And it's a never-ending source of curiosity. And once we find out what the... I think the real key to this is, is what's going on out in the rest of the universe. And I think when we have a better idea of where we, who we really are in a vast universe with billion other galaxies and what else is out there the, the the diversity of life must just be astounding and i think once we have a better idea of that the bigfoot thing will just make sense it'll be like oh duh <laughs> that makes complete sense now and that's kind of where i feel that that it's going to go but we're still we the more you learn the more you find out you don't know absolutely so we're always going to have mysteries and things we don't understand but it would be fun to get a little bit greater insight into this one and feel like oh yeah that i get it i get it now you know but we may never or i may never so but i'll keep trying <laughs> 
I mean, as soon as we have definite answers, then we can't create theories, and that's half the fun of it, honestly. I mean, like, you have somebody could actually find solid evidence proof of Sasquatch, and then we can study him from that angle one day, which would definitely be fascinating, don't get me wrong. But once you start doing that, then it kind of takes the the whimsical aspect out of it. And then it's almost like, you know, you're just going to have 30 podcasts about like lions, for example, like, you know, we already are able to observe them and we understand like how they function. So once we get that way of Sasquatch again, it takes, it takes the fun out of it. Well, there'll be other things. If we get there, if we ever get there, it's just going to be because there's other mysteries that are much that we're beginning to touch that we don't understand yet. Cause it just there's just too much we're just too limited for the vastness of reality and um so but it would be they'd have to have some other good realities or <laughs> it would be kind of boring <laughs> so hey the runner-up would just take the first position at that point everybody's main yeah. focal point would be mothman rather than sasquatch <laughs> yeah. sasquatch is just too mainstream at that point yeah. You gotta find oh, a more punk guys, rock. You gotta, you gotta get something better than that. Come on. <laughs> Start getting yeah, into all the know. obscure Appalachian stuff. Yeah. Well, we might be talking about things on other planets by then. So. Hey, if the government like keeps it. going the way it's going, who knows? And I mean, like, that's a two-sided thing too. You don't know if it's you know stuff they're they're trying to intentionally trickle out so that they're just steering people away from what the actual truth might be or if they're actually being legit but it's like after having so much government lying for so long it's like you want to be excited about all this extraterrestrial stuff but it's like it's kind of almost hard to because you just feel like they're lying to you especially with that last thing that they put out with uh the mexican government with the uh you know, little mummy plaster looking aliens. It's like, eh, like it's definitely fascinating, but I, I don't know, man. <laughs> Let me see. Take me to their leader. You want me to believe you? Take me to the spacecraft and let me hear the leader. And if, if they're not alive anymore or they've scattled away and they're not on the planet anymore, why? Who are they? Where are they from? Why can't you tell us? And then they get to those questions, they say, oh, I can't say that. Well, whatever. Call me when you're ready to talk, because I'm tired of being lied to. I don't believe anything they say anymore. The problem is, if you got them to try to take you to the ship, the only problem is you might end up in a uh, government UFO rather than an extraterrestrial UFO. <laughs> well, at least there'd be something, you know? At least, oh, good, well, give me a ride, take me somewhere. You know, but they say that maybe we have, maybe the Space Force really is a Space Force and really does have UFOs. I don't know. I'd like to know. I'd like to ride on one. Well, there was uh, that one hacker that hacked into the U.S. government database and was finding, like, off-world, like, operatives and stuff. So, I mean, like, I don't know if any of those are necessarily extraterrestrial, but still kind of weird all the same that they do have record in the government of there being off-planet uh people that are off planet and the, even more so the fact that the U S government was determined to get a hold of this guy and the UK government was not letting him have him. Like that just kind of brings even more into the story of like, why is the U S government so concerned if they don't want to, if they want to deny everything that this guy is actually saying, what are they covering up? Why are they covering it up? Uh, why, why if there's, if we're, we have people on other planets, why can't we know about it? I mean, it's either one, that they're too dangerous, 
and they don't want the average citizen going there or two everybody jokes about like oh i don't agree with my country's political views anymore i'm going to move to another country they joke about that kind of stuff but like you know if you theoretically had the ability to just leave the planet altogether and go somewhere else i mean of course there's going to be separate like colonies set up everywhere and things but like you know, it'd probably be a lot easier for people just to get away from the whole government control concept to begin with at that point, especially if there started being uh, like civilian spacecrafts rather than all government spacecrafts that are actually able to do these types of things. I just don't know, but I just don't feel like I'm ever given the truth. I don't by, think we'll ever by know. This, <laughs> by this government. And, well, and that's I what we said with this whole disclosure thing. I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but, you know, everybody that's all excited about this and we're like so what we're gonna start trusting the government now yeah <laughs> just because they're talking about something you're interested in <laughs> and they're not disclosing anything they're just telling us what we've been telling them for 30 years tell I mean, me something i don't know show me show me show me the take like i said take me to their leader or bring their leader to me they're still coming here if they've come here before, they're still coming here. And they got to be more powerful than us. They got to be faster or smarter or something. There has to be some benefit that they have beyond us because they can travel to different planets. And so I just would like to see more evidence. If you're not going to really show me evidence, then why bring it up at all? I mean, my kind of theory on it too lately has been it might be the kind of same thing as they is it feels like they were kind of doing with the whole giant thing that they didn't have an understanding of it. So they wanted like the average citizen to almost like do their research for them. And then as soon as they got enough information, it seems like they probably grabbed people to continue the research and then started denying everything past that. And I mean, that kind of got buried in the past besides people like us that are digging that kind of stuff up. I mean, the UFO stuff may be popular now and people might start throwing stuff in. It might be somewhat in the forefront, but then the intention might be that like 50, 60 years down the line, you know, they'll completely withdraw the information after having all the civilians do the research for it and then deny all, all, all liability to the whole thing. And it'll just become one of those things like giants that kind of gets pushed into the back besides people that are actually pulling it up and are interested in it. It's the same with the pyramids. Nobody believes that. No one believes it anymore. I mean, or I'm so very few people believe those were built by slaves 3000 years ago. It just, and there's so much more to them than what just what meets the eye, and what meets the eye is massively impressive. And and they're just there's something else to it. And for them to keep trying to tell us that they're just slave built by slaves two thousand years ago, what's what's what are they gaining from that narrative? They're finding stuff that's eleven thousand years old that it's intricately built. That's in the earth. It's in the ground. They're finding things all over. the. Do you know there's a pyramid underneath? I think it's Lake Superior. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, and then there's the Alaskan one too. And even yeah, the regular pyramids, they say that they still haven't actually, they don't know where the bottom's at. So it goes way below yeah. the sand farther past. I think where, where they think it does. That, yeah. I just, there's just mysteries that they probably know some of the answers to. <laughs> and why aren't, why aren't they, is it because of the aliens that they that they don't want us to know that, that they're behind it? I wonder. Maybe they want us to be in the dark so they can manipulate us in some way that benefits them. I don't know. that If they're more powerful than we are, it makes me wonder. 
Or maybe we do have just these little snivelling little politicians that just want to protect their power. There's certainly a lot of evidence for that. Well, absolutely. And, you know, we've talked about this a little bit with the whole extraterrestrial aspect, but, you know, I think the pyramids is a great example as well. If this information about the pyramids comes out or extraterrestrials or whatever you want to use as the example, that changes the entire paradigm of, you know, our history as human beings. A lot of institutions lose a lot of power at that point. The government, like church, religions. I mean, how do you, you know, get hopped up to go to work and pay your taxes if your entire worldview has just changed? So, I mean, the people in power have a lot invested in keeping the status quo the status quo. Yeah, because it's going to redefine everything. Yeah. Things have to I mean, if aliens come down, are you going to go to work on Monday? I, I mean, the, there's a lot of incentive for the government to keep people in the same vein they're in right now, as far as I'm concerned. I'm partying with the aliens. I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm going out on the streets and I'm hanging out and I'm so figuring you go. out You're what they got. to work on Monday. <laughs> One way or the other. Maybe if there was free energy. <laughs> people would be able to live easier. But they don't want us to live easier. And they you know, have to fight and be slaves for a, a paycheck. But, you know, that's something we've talked about as well. You know, I think these same institutions don't want people thinking critically about things. They want you going to your job and slaving away and being too tired to critically examine your situation and the quote-unquote facts they're giving you because if people thought about a lot of this stuff critically it just doesn't make any sense you know but you know if you're too tired to question the status quo and the answers that are being fed to you you know and i think that's why we talk about the pandemic being kind of a big deal in podcasting and the paranormal because People were at home for two years. You know, they had time to research things. They had time to listen to podcasts or things that they wouldn't have normally had time to do. And I think that's been a big turning point in a lot of the paranormal community, personally. It's I've, it's done a lot of different things in a lot of communities, so I can see that. I never thought of that, but it makes complete sense. And I mean, as far as that kind of stuff goes, too, it's like... The, the whole concept, just to kind of back what, what Orton was saying too, the Rothschilds set up like the schooling system and the intention for that was that you want a worker that's smart enough to run the machines but not smart enough to start a revolt. So in continuation from that, you just end up with a system of a bunch of debt slaves essentially because the intention is that you continue racking up debt so you keep having to work. So you have this like slave system without people even realizing that they're necessarily slaves. And then that's when it kind of gets into the whole idea about like, all the rights that they're slowly trying to take away from people too, is that you don't just blindly take them away from people. You trick people into thinking of it in a different method where they hand those rights over because they think that they're doing it for their own safety. Or you have people like I was just saying with the debt slave, they're going to work to try to financially cover themselves when they full well knew that the intention was that they wanted you to be in debt so that you have to continue to work to try to climb out of that debt, even though they know that you're never going to be able to fully make it back out of that debt once you start getting it. I don't know. I it's, things just don't seem right. I feel like I'm watching a movie, and I know that it's not real. I know there's something else behind it that 
that it has to be happening for this to make any sense because it makes no sense what I'm seeing. <laughs> there, there, there has to be more. I'm only like I'm seeing half the picture or something or half the story that behind that there, there's some other story going on and I don't completely get it yet, but, but it's definitely conspiratorial. And, uh, so it, it just, I'd be nice to have some answers. Absolutely. Ain't that the truth. (laughs) But kind of shifting gears a little bit, Tim, uh, before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about uh, a subject that Shane talked about on one of his previous episodes. Um, Would we like to circle back around to that a little bit before we start wrapping up? That's fine. Yeah. Shane, you want to run with it? So actually, I'll, I'll let him preface it on this one, too, because okay. I know it was a topic he wanted to talk about, and he said he used to do presentations on it back when he was in his 20s and stuff. But I mean, for all the listeners, I'll just leave it at this, and I'll let Tim kind of get into it a little bit. But Hotel California, everybody is very familiar with that song, but most people sing it, but it's one of those songs that they don't really understand what it truly means. And there's a lot of hidden things behind that song in particular and the album cover for it that isn't typical of the Eagles because you don't find it anywhere else in any of their music. It's just that one particular song and that one particular album. But from there, I guess I'll let Tim kind of uh, get into his well, explanations on it. Well, it, 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 the, the author, I heard the, the man who wrote the song, I heard him give an interview, and he said when they moved to L.A. and they saw how superficial the people were and how... Um, uh, it was everyone going after the glitter and the money and the fame and the wealth and who knows who and all of the the shows that they were putting on. And he said that and how superficial it was. That's what inspired them to write this song. And um, however, <laughs> there's some sim- symbolism in there that's very uh, like the gentleman you had on said that it was written about a hotel california that had been turned into the church of satan uh it it the the one line that says that spirit hasn't been here since 1969 that's when it became the hotel california or the church of satan and there's a lot of things that are that could be coincidental but it's pretty bizarre when when you look at the lines in the song and then the the (coughs) the the circumstances surrounding the Church of Satan and what was going on in California at the time. So, and then it does say something backwards, and I can't remember what it says backwards in backward masking, because we we covered that. I was doing it as an evangelical presentation to kids when I was at college, and I was in my 20s. And we used it to show the reality of Satan and how bad modern music was and the people needed to get saved and 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 we played many of these songs backwards uh and we don't know i don't know why that 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 they say things like if you played um the song um that we are the champions of the world or uh, it says if you play part of that backwards it says start to smoke marijuana it's pretty clear <laughs> it's pretty clear that it says that and Stairway to Heaven has some stuff, the same song. I mean, it's the two most popular songs in history of rock and roll are, are Stairway to Heaven and Hotel California. And both of them 
have backwards masking in them. And but uh, I'm more inclined today to say it's circumstantial and coincidental than it's a implanted message, like I probably thought when I was in my twenties. And uh, and I still like the songs, even though I realize that there's some weird stuff around them. I wonder sometimes. I know "Stairway to Heaven." There's the the the, the lyrics don't really make much sense forward, so there's no reason to to be surprised that they maybe make sense backward. But the Hotel California kind of does have meanings forward. They were very poetic. That that band is deeply poetic and just some of the best music in our of our times. And so they do have some messages forward that that in that song, but they definitely there's some stuff backwards too. And I mean, so I just got a kick out of it that that we had just talked, and then you had this guy on your show, and I had been involved in that. So I just thought I'd let you know and bring it up. And no, thank you so much for bringing it up. I, you know, I'm a huge classic rock fan, so that's really cool to hear your take on all of that. And uh, pretty interesting and cool too. On that, well, interesting. I don't want to necessarily say cool, but uh, on the album cover for Hotel California, it has when you open it up, like the old album cover for it, uh, it has like everybody standing inside the hotel, and then up on the balcony, you actually see Anton Lavey, which was the person that supposedly formed all that church and everything down there or over there. And then uh, just a kind of funny thing that I was thinking about too, while you're talking about playing songs backwards. Have uh, you guys ever heard of the movie Little Nicky? It's a, it was an Adam Sandler movie that came out back in the '90s, 2000s. There's a joke in that movie about the one guy goes to play like uh, some some rock band backwards, and he's like, "Oh yeah, what does that say, Nicky?" And he's like, "Oh no, that doesn't say anything." He's like, "Oh no," he's like, "The Ozman speaks the word of the devil forward." He was like, "You got to look out for the other ones." Then he puts out on like a Chicago album and plays that backwards, and it's like talking about, "I will eat the hearts of the innocent." <laughs> so it's like you know the messages that you assume from the rock and roll songs, like they may be speaking some of that stuff forward, but you know the stuff that seems like it's mellow and light i almost kind of wonder if that might actually be the stuff to worry about because you still hear about those stories about them like you know selling their soul to get into the position they were or whatever uh whether that's to the devil or to that's that's like papa leg depending on which kind of like theories you kind of go in as far as like who the crossroads uh demon or being may possibly be but uh yeah i mean theoretically like it wouldn't necessarily make sense to play the macro messages backwards if you're already playing them forwards i feel like it would make more sense if they were in incognito songs that just seem like happy uplifting songs and you play those backwards and you might find exact messages well i'll tell you when i was doing this i was studying the because of anton levey and his his involvement and um, some of the guys from England who were Satanists. I started studying Satanism and the, the, the Satanic Bible, and it was not that good for me because <laughs> I thought if I knew more, I could help people. And it didn't really help me very much. And it did. But I remember one time I felt I was I was a, I was asleep. I thought I was asleep. You know when you don't know whether you're asleep or awake, but you somehow are conscious and you're... I felt like some skeleton hands had come through my bed and were wrapped around my neck and were trying to pull me through my bed into hell. <laughs> it was just weird. <laughs> and I was struggling against it and I could And I finally said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. And they let go and I sat right up in bed and I 
remember becoming fully conscious by sitting up in bed. And I thought, that's terrible. I mean, that was scary. And then I had another dream where I was at a party and Anton LaVey walked in. And I knew who he was because I'd been studying it, but no one else knew who he was. And he was just trying to fit in like he belonged there. And I remember I started singing this Christian song right, right behind him, and he freaked out and looked at me really weird and ran out of the house. And it just got me, th- it just got me thinking, I think I need to focus more on the positive and, and not worry about trying to understand all of the bad stuff. Because there's some creepy stuff in there. And there's something to all that Satanism stuff. I think some of it is uh, they think they're more powerful than they are and they're really more controlled than they are. Uh, But it's just not worth messing with. And so um, I'd rather focus on the positive and what what truth really is and and what's being played forward. (laughs) But I do think that's interesting. and, And I just thought I'd bring it up. No, I think it's super cool, and yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because um, I hadn't had a chance to listen to the episode where uh, Shane was discussing it, so I, I got the crash course on it. So uh, thank you for bringing that up. And, um, yeah, no problem. So kind of wrapping this up, Tim, uh, would you mind telling all of our listeners where they can find your books and a little bit more about to uh, how to contact you if you're interested? Oh, yes, also, I, side uh, question, uh, book two, if you have a possible idea of a release date. Just want to throw that one in there, too. I'm I'm... I'm scared of saying a release date. If I can have it at least uh, at least edited and ready to publish by by late late uh, spring, early summer next year, I'll feel like I really achieved something, and that's what, what I'm going to shoot for. But I have I still have I've done a lot of the research and I'm doing some of the investigation, but 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 then I have to write it and. I think once I start that, it'll go faster than the last one because I know more about how to do it. <laughs> but I just don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. It's like riding a bike; okay. you need to get that momentum going. But you once you get the the, get it rolling, then you then you're rolling. <laughs> you're, there's truth to that. Momentum's a big factor. Um, so the best way to get the book is just look up Tomato Fields on Amazon. Th- those two, that'll come up now pretty fast. If, if you don't get it, just put tomato fields in my name, Tim Moon. That's just like the moon in the sky. So those are pretty easy to remember. And that will come up and all my contact information's there. You can also uh, get me on Instagram at just tomato underscore fields. And all the contact information to the book is on Instagram as well. And um, you can get me on... Um, Twitter at tsmoon uh, ten at tsmoon ten, and I'll send you all this so you can put it in the show notes if you if you'd like to. Oh, of course, I was going to throw that in there that I was going to add it all into the show notes if anybody wanted to find it quick and easy. And I'll have my email in there too, so I don't want it, to. It's a little long, so it'd be hard to remember on a podcast. But I'll send it to you. Perfect. I appreciate okay. it. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I sure appreciate this. Hey, thank um, you so much for coming on, Tim. It was nice to finally meet you. Uh, like we said at the top of the show, it, it it's been a long time getting here. We had some scheduling conflicts, but it was it was nice to meet you and to chat. And uh, right. I'm looking forward nice. to reading the book and uh, looking forward to the sequel. So thank nice you. Nice to meet you too. And um, by the time you pub 
broadcast this, it'll be a newly uh, edited, just cleaned up, a cleaner version. Uh, so, and in a few days, that'll be up and ready to go. So, if you want to wait a few days, you'll get the cleanest possible version. Perfect. So, okay. I was going to ask also, that in the beginning of the show. I'm glad that you clarified that too. I, I was going to ask if you were doing a revised version of the first book because that's what it sounded like you were working towards. That's what it, it's just clean. It's just cleaning it up. It's nothing major. It doesn't change anything. It just cleans up a few, just proofreading things. And uh, that's not my strongest suit. And believe it or not, my editor quit on me. Th- 27 chapters in and because she told me I was using guns unsafely which was not true but these guys were hunting an animal that was hunting them so it was just it was it was weird and I still don't completely understand it but I had to finish it myself and I'm not that's not my strongest suit is the proofreading and editing so I've had to go back multiple times and re fix that and then I hired another editor who did it again and those are the ones I'm up I'm updating so that's part of the learning experience for me and um, anyway but regardless of this people seem to like it <laughs> so <laughs> I'm pretty happy but um, but it has it it has uh, for for a couple of people who are big on on grammar and rhetoric and and some of the more detailed elements of that, they were unhappy, but not very many. Well, Most you can't people, please everybody. <laughs> and, and I try, but you can't. Ultimately, you're going to fail to please someone. So, But I just wanted you to know I care about that and I'm working on it, but it's, it wasn't my strongest suit. And so, but, it's, but, it, but I'm finding people to, to, that it is, and, and it's going to be cleanest so far if you wait a couple of days. Okay. Awesome. awesome. Thank you again. Okay. Hey, thank you. You guys have a great night. Okay. You too. Absolutely. Okay. If you guys enjoyed this episode and come on, I know you guys definitely enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to give us uh, five stars, hopefully on iTunes or Spotify. And if you guys give us five stars on iTunes, then I'll give you guys a shout out on the show and read your guys review on the show. And uh, if you guys are on the Android side and you guys aren't able to necessarily leave a typed out review, you guys are on Spotify and you just leave five stars. If you guys want to send us a nice message, uh, let us know what you guys think of the show on Instagram or email it to us or Facebook, whichever. I'd be more than happy to read on the show and give you guys a shout out. And I would also, I would really prefer if you guys did that because I love getting some of your guys' feedback on the show. And speaking of feedback, like we say at the beginning and end of every show, reach out to us uh, through email, social media, anything you guys want to see on the show. We are all ears. So uh, get up with us. We're easy to find. Or if you guys have some type of cryptid-related merchandise, anything like that, we'd love to work some stuff out. If you guys are other podcasters, you guys want to collab, definitely hit us up over that kind of stuff because we'd love to do some more stuff like that with you guys. And uh, everything that we mentioned is all available down in the show description, down in the link tree. But if you guys don't want to go and do all that, you guys want to be old school, you guys want to listen and type it out, it's uh, L-A-N-K-T-R, period E, slash Bizarre Encounters. And with that, I got to tell you guys, Every single episode, because I know there's some of you that forget. There's some new listeners who have never heard this before, and you got to have somebody that's going to tell you, because the average person won't be telling you this. But guys, I love you guys how you are, and remember to always, always stay bizarre. 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 Tomato fields? Whoop.